Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You have keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You got fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard. It feels like a Friday edition of The Yard because tomorrow is game day. We're going to go ahead and kind of look ahead and talk about uh, preview the weekend's games because uh, no matter what happens on Thursday night, we're going to have a lot to talk about on Friday. We're going to be recapping the Egg Bowl and talk about the trajectory of this program. We're going to talk about any news that may be coming as a result of Thursday night's game. So we're going to dedicate Friday to just simply a Mississippi State Ole Miss Egg Bowl recap. Good, bad, or indifferent, that'll be our focus on Friday. So we're going to go ahead and kind of preview the weekend because there are going to be some games, of course, Thursday and Friday, and then we'll get it to Saturday. It's rivalry week. So that's the plan. Look forward to being with you guys uh, for Thanksgiving. For those of you that are coming to town, and I get a lot of people that say, hey, Steve, we're coming to town, we're passing through, we're coming to the ball game. Where can we get the book? Well, because I love all of you and I want you to have nice things, I went to every Starkville merchant that is carrying the book other than one, and I'll get there today, and I signed copies at every location. 
So if you need a signed copy of the book, you, when you're in town for the for the Egg Bowl, you can go by and pick one up. Now, if you want a personalized copy, I will be at the Lodge from uh, noon until 4 o'clock on Thursday. So Egg Bowl Day, I'll be at the Lodge from noon until 4. You can come by and get a personalized copy, get a picture, all that good stuff. And then Friday, I'll be at Book Martin Cafe downtown pretty much all day. So come by, say what's up. Uh, come get books. And I want to thank everybody for their support. The book's doing outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. I'm, I'm already beginning to line up some interviews for, uh, for, for Stark Villains too. As a matter of fact, just this morning, got Kevin Sluter lined up to, to visit with me about the, the 1996 Egg Bowl. You may recall Kevin Sluter had a great scoop and score in that ball game to kind of remove all doubt. Spoke with him and Matt White both about that game. Uh, I'll speak to a couple other players, but uh, already kind of moving ahead, looking ahead. And it's because you guys have been so excited about Stark Villains, I think we need to put another book together. So there's a possibility I might write two books next year, but be that as it may, we'll see what happens. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I will be there tonight, as a matter of fact, going to break bread with the family on Thanksgiving Eve. Looking forward to getting down there. It, I'm, I'm always excited to go to Bulldog Burger Company because it's such a festive and family atmosphere. The kids like going. I spend a lot of time on the road. I spend a lot of time in press conferences and things like that. So when I have a chance to be with my kids, I have a chance to be with the family, I let them pick and choose. They always pick Bulldog Burger Company, almost without exception. And we go and we have a good time. And every time we order the spring rolls, sometimes I eat two of them. But we have a great time. You need to go find your own favorites at Bulldog Burger Company. Uh, my oldest son and his wife are coming in tonight. Her favorite is the Mission. I encourage you to get the Pico de Gallo on the side so you can control the distribution, but you do things your own way. But if you just want a great restaurant-quality hamburger, order the Bulldog. And if you want maybe that bacon cheeseburger, maybe go with the Bryant. I like to walk a little bit on the wild side. I like the Pimentology and the Lauren. But I'm going to change it up tonight. There are now two locations to serve you in Starkville on University, and Tupelo on Gloucester Street. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Starkville and now Tupelo where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. All right, so let's just go ahead and jump right into this thing. You know, I don't, uh, you know, the ladies beat Marquette, big ball game, earlier this week. That's over and done with. Took a, uh, took a good effort you know, to come back from behind. It was a very, very competitive ball game, and I think our ladies needed that. It's all come pretty easy. Uh, for the Bulldogs so far this season. And so having an opportunity to really test yourself on the road in a hostile environment is a good thing. It is a good thing. And there's so much of that that goes on. I think sometimes you know, when we don't blow everybody out, people begin, you know, people get on social media. Oh my gosh, we got all these problems. No, we don't have a lot of problems. We got a great team that is finding a sense of itself. And that's how you find out what kind of team you truly have is when you got to put on that dark colored jersey and go in somebody else's gymnasium and have their people to yell at you a little bit and still find a way to come back and pull it out there in the fourth. And that's exactly what happened. You have a teachable moment without losing a ball game. This is a Marquette. Marquette's a good women's program. I mean, it's not like it's a joke. I mean, it's not like we went up there and played, you know, University of Wisconsin at Frozen Pond. It's Marquette. The game was tied after the first quarter. We knew we were in a fight. We kind of grinded out and get a one-point lead at the half. Next thing you know is a one-point lead again, you know, in, in, after three. You know, we, we're, we're battling through there. 
and then Marquette makes a run late, but State closes the game out. And you win 74-68. It's a great, a great win. Now I suspect that it's probably going to be the toughest game we play this week. You know, we've got several games you know out there in Canada that we're going to play. Uh, but you know that this was this was a big one. This was a really big one. You know, down down the stretch. You know, this was it was a 69-66 uh, game with 54 seconds to play. And then Jordan Danbury steps up and makes a couple free throws, makes it a 71-66 game. They come right back and score. It's a three-point game again with 15 seconds. They need to get a turnover. They can't get one. Denberry gets loose. You know what? Like a senior should do, she makes a couple more free throws. Now we're up five again. But it's a little bit of time left. And then you know, they miss a shot. I turn the ball over. Pardon me. We get a steal. Zaria Wiggins gets off on the fast break. They foul her. She makes a free throw. And the game is over. Uh, the game is over at that point. And so... You, you find out who you are when you face some adversity. And we have had some sports teams in the past, not just women's basketball teams, but we have had some teams in the past. When we got out there in the weeds a little bit, you know, we would get a little, little mindful of our, our, our personal protection. We play a little bit scared. But then that's, that's the thing I love about Vic Schaefer's teams is they're fearless. Could, lose, could use a little more Vic Schaefer. Uh, in everybody's life, you know. I remember when we hired him. It was kind of a blip on the radar in a lot of Bulldog fans' lives. And now, I mean, it's not, now now we're opening the show with it. You know, I've got some friends of mine that, you know, I've, I'm in a group text with, some, with several friends. And, and, you know, sometimes I'll be busy doing something else. And the ladies will be on the road. And then everybody's watching the game at home on their smart TV. And they're griping in the group chat because, uh, you know, we're not getting a call. It's amazing. It's the transformation in Mississippi State's women's basketball program. It's absolutely amazing. We have become a national power. And I don't know that anybody expected that 10 years ago. It, is, it has become a huge part of our lives. We've discussed that many times on the show. But uh, very, very happy to get that win. And, uh, again, the ladies are in Canada. They will be there. They will play uh, Thanksgiving afternoon in Victoria, British Columbia, against San Francisco, and then play Bowling Green or Green Bay, Wisconsin, on Friday. It's a very similar format than what the men had at Myrtle Beach. And so if you're looking to tune into that game, it will be a pay-per-view event. And I know many of you are willing to pay to view the ladies play all the time. But you go to FLO Hoops, that's Flow Hoops dot com flowhoops.com and uh you sign up there and um you can watch that and it's uh they've got like a monthly plan there i haven't seen all of the uh the pricing there but it looks like it's about 1250 1250 for a month and that will get you through all three games but again that's flowhoops f l o hoops.com you can go check all that out so I know I know many of you are very 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 in tune with what goes on with the women's basketball program, and so get an opportunity to watch that. So uh, so what do we think about the egg bowl? I, I, that's that's the question. It's a year round question with us, right? I mean, it's not something that uh, that we think about. I mean, it's like as soon as you lose the ball game, the very next day, on, you know, the Friday after Thanksgiving or whatever, you're saying, you know, what? Well, wait till next year. We'll we'll get them next year. We'll get them back at our place. We'll do this. Whatever. 
you know, there was a, I would say there was probably a pretty comfortable belief at Starkville after we went up there and beat them 35 to three last year. When you look at the losses that they were expecting, especially on the offensive side of the football, rebuilding the offensive line, uh, losing three, you know, really pro football wide receivers, losing Jordan Tamu at quarterback. I think we all said, you know what? They're staring three and nine, four and eight right in the face. And you know what? They are. But they're a better football team than I think many of us anticipated them being, despite the fact that they're a four and seven team. Good chance they're going to be a four and eight team. But they're a pretty dangerous four and eight team, to be fair. You know, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and lob any shots at the fact that Rich Rodriguez has really turned that offense around. They had a lot of trouble early in the year offensively. And I think much of the turnaround can be attributed, obviously, to uh, to John Rice Plumley taking over quarterback. And now, listen, he's had you know he's had some freshman moments as well, but he has made that offense more explosive because Rich Rod knows how to use them. And that's one of the things last year on the recruiting piece that we talked about is that they would have some packages for John Rice Plumley to play quarterback at Ole Miss. I don't think anybody anticipated him taking the lion's share of the snaps as a true freshman. But we knew Rich Rod would know how to use him. I think most people, even even the real casual observers of Ole Miss football, wondered if Matt Corral would be the right fit for Rich Rodriguez' offense. I mean, listen, people know Rich Rod not because of Michigan, not because of Arizona. They know him because of the work he did at West Virginia. And West Virginia is far from a national power. But Rich Rodriguez went there with Pat White, Noel Devine, those guys, and, you know, Steve Slayton, and put had some very dangerous teams, and, and they beat us twice. So we've seen it up close and personal. But they've done a good job. You know, I, I think Rich Rod's done a good job utilizing their personnel. I mean, if you go back and you look at this deal, you know, they scored 10 points against Memphis. And that's a quality loss. I mean, you look at the season Memphis has had, and I think most of us expected Memphis to have a big year this year. And I think most people, other than the Ole Miss homers, expected Memphis to win that ball game because it really is kind of their Super Bowl. Then Ole Miss goes and uh, and takes down uh, Arkansas. And at the time, I think many people were kind of hoping hoping that Arkansas would be a little bit improved this year and that would be a ball game they could get. I know back in Omaha when I spoke to the guys on the Arkansas beat, many of them said, you know, listen, we have a very winnable non-conference schedule. <clears throat> We've got to find a way to pick up a couple of wins in the SEC. And this is one of those games they had kind of penciled in as a possibility. This was a competitive ball game for a while. It ended up being a 31-17 game. Uh, but it was a, I guess it was, what, 10-3 at the half? You know, and then uh, Ole Miss found a way to put it away. But, yeah, it was a competitive game. Rakeem Boyd only goes for 67 yards. Probably the big surprise there that uh, you didn't get more uh, out of him. But uh, this was a game, too, that, you know, there, there were some offensive explosive type stuff that happened. But, you know, Matt Corral had a, had a good ball game, 16-24, 246. Scotty Phillips goes for 143. Uh, Matt Corral ran for 46. You know, what's interesting is uh, Jerry and Ely get seven yards, and there's no mention of John Rice Pumbley. And this is, you know, a lot of people say, okay, well, we're going to be okay. And then they had the Southeastern Louisiana game. And that, that you yeah, listen, it, it's so funny, too, how you're, you're so acutely aware of what goes on with your team. 
And so there were some people last weekend that were, you know, ready to kind of lose their minds about, you know, say, hey, you know, listen, we're struggling with an FCS team. Guys, Ole Miss beat Southeastern Louisiana 40-29. to It was a 34-29 ball game in the fourth quarter. You know, how quickly we forget. There was a lot of Ole Miss people that were really upset about things. You have to get a fourth-quarter score to put that game away. You know, that's the thing you look at. It's okay, you know, it's southeastern Louisiana, but who would have thought southeastern Louisiana would be within a touchdown of Ole Miss in the fourth quarter? And that that is exactly what happened. You know, they had to kick a couple field goals, uh, did Ole Miss to kind of put the game away. But it was, it was a ball game. I mean, 34-29 uh, with, what, six minutes to go? I think that's right, 34-29. Maybe even less than that. Chase and Virgil went up there and had a good ball game. Uh, you had 34-29 going in the fourth quarter. You know, I don't think anybody expected that. But you know, a lot of a lot of our a lot of Mississippi State fans like to make excuses for Ole Miss. Then they lose the ball game at home against Cal. This is when that you know, some of the rich rod criticisms begin to kind of come up. Because again, I, I think this is where Matt Corral really missed some some open throws. There were a lot of people I know after this ball game that were saying, you know what, you had a chance to do some big things and you blew it. Matt Corral goes 22 of 41 for 266. John Rice Plumley comes in, goes 7 for 7 for 82 yards. This is when it all kind of began to change a little bit. This is when the seeds were playing that John Rice might be the, the, uh, the better option at quarterback. Nobody really ran the ball exceptionally well in that ball game. But that's when uh, that's when things kind of begin to change. You know, Matt Corral, I think get 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 the rim injury maybe in that ball game maybe. I believe that's correct. Then John Rice goes and starts the ball game against Alabama on the road. That's uh, yeah, that, that's a tall task for anybody. But the kid went out there and played pretty well. Um, you know, we people look at the score, and uh, sometimes it doesn't tell the full story. John Rice Plumley, ten of twenty eight in the ball game. 141 yards, a couple touchdowns, an interception, just a one sack. And that, that's the big issue with him is he's so difficult to corral, even in the pocket. He runs for 109 yards uh, in the ball game. Jerry Ely goes for 68. But, again, nobody expected Ole Miss to win the ball game. John Rice Palmer acquitted himself very well in the ball game. And, listen, a lot of this stuff happened. You know, early in the ball game to make this thing competitive and Bama pulled away. But to Ole Miss's credit, they didn't quit. That was the thing last year. There were a lot of Ole Miss, you know, teams in in the past that would quit. Now, granted, I think it's important to kind of point this out. Cause I think again, some of our fans lose sight of this. This was a forty-five to ten ball game in the third quarter. Forty-five to ten. Then Ole Miss puts together twenty-one points there. You know, and. Final quarter and a half. It was a 45 to 10 ball game. So they did score some garbage touchdowns, but they did score them. That's one thing. Listen, you look at Mississippi State and say, you know what? Hey, you know, we had an opportunity to score some garbage touchdowns and we, we didn't do a whole lot of that. You know, so no matter when they scored them, they scored them. But I think it's important to point out that the game was essentially decided when the Ole Miss offense kind of found some life. The Vanderbilt game, and this is when we kind of found out how bad Vanderbilt was. You know, I think most of us expected Vanderbilt defensively to give Ole Miss some trouble. Uh, I don't really know that they did. 
it, it was a 10-6 ball game at the half, but you know Vanderbilt was just so anemic offensively. It just never felt like Ole Miss was in any trouble here. And again, John Rice Plumley with a good ball game. Uh, you know, again, statistically, people need to understand this. You know, he's still a freshman. But you're, uh, you know, you're 10 of 18 for 99 yards, kind of manageable there. You get sacked three times, but you run for 165 yards, and really, that's the deal. You're throwing just enough to keep the defense honest. On the road at Missouri, a 38-27 ball game. I remember that it, it it seemed like that Missouri could do whatever they wanted to do, and this is right before Missouri kind of fell off. A lot of that goes along with Kelly Bryant being injured. But uh, you know, it's it's this is again this is a 35-14 ball game in the fourth quarter, 35-14. So in, in in a sense, the game is a, was all but decided. Ole Miss makes a mad dash at the end, and then. Missouri scores again to put it away 38-21. You know, they're just, you know, again, they score some touchdowns late, but the game was already decided. We get into the A&M game. That's a much different deal. They get that game at home in Oxford. Did a pretty good job, I thought, defensively in the ballgame. Um, Kellen Mond did not have a good ball game at all. In that game, he had a great game against us. Did not have a great game against Ole Miss. And you got to give Ole Miss some credit for that. I, I've never been a Kellen Mond fan. 16 of 28 in the ballgame, threw a couple of interceptions. One of them was absolutely horrific. Also had four sacks in the ballgame. Matt Corral returned this week, <clears throat> 10 of 17, uh, 124 with one interception, a couple sacks. Plumlee goes 4 of 12. They just couldn't put it together. Just couldn't put it together. People remember, too, uh, Ole Miss had a chance late to drive down and uh, take the lead, if I'm not mistaken here. Let me look this up to be sure. And uh, you have the scoop and score. Yeah, John wrote, yeah, Plumley, Plumley scoops and fumbles. And uh, I think that's right. Let me get down here and look, double check that. Yeah, I believe A&M had the scoop and score to put the game away. I believe that's correct. Maybe I'm wrong, but I believe that's right. But nevertheless, uh, it was a competitive ball game. The game at Auburn, they kind of catch Auburn in a bit of a sandwich game. But uh, again, Ole Miss has a chance that they keep it close. Defensively, I thought they played it pretty well. It's another thing, too, where Auburn couldn't get out of their own way. This ball game probably should have been about 33-7 to in the fourth quarter. Auburn couldn't get out of their own way, missed what, three field goals in the game, an open touchdown pass. But to Ole Miss's credit, they're right there. And again, it is a 20-7 to ball game in the fourth quarter, and they scored and got within a touchdown and just couldn't finish the deal. Better than we did, to, to be fair. And then they have the big uh, New Mexico State blowout game. That's a Division One game, just in case you're curious. And then the yellow shoe game. And so many people have talked about this game. I, I don't have the same feelings about this game that many of you do. This was not a competitive ball game. Uh, and, and I say that with as much respect as possible. It was 31 to 7. 31 to 7 going to the half. 31 7. And it was pretty obvious that uh, LSU had a little bit of a hangover. And despite the fact they had a hangover after beating Alabama, they're up 24 points at the break. And then Ole Miss, you know, gets a couple plays there, plumbed with a 46-yard pass, run, pardon me, 
Uh, they got a couple, you know, a couple trick plays there to make some things happen. They just when they begin to kind of get back in the ball game, LSU pulls away again, and ends ends up winning fifty eight thirty seven. And remember, this is a thirty one seven ball game at the half. Ole Miss scored thirty points there in the second half. So, one of the points that I make about that ball game, in addition, in addition to the other stuff is that Ole Miss is not going to quit. And, and that's one of the things that I think is probably one of the things that scares me the most is if State is able to get a lead, State cannot take the foot off the gas because Plumley is such an explosive player. He is one of those guys that uh, if you miss a tackle with him, it's six. It's as simple as that. You know, they, They've had some quarterbacks in the past that can beat you with their arm. It's a completely different scheme now. And Rich Rodriguez is one of the best in the country. It's scheming people up with a quarterback run. He made Pat White an absolute superstar. It's a great college player. So they'll put some things together. It'll be interesting. I still expect Mississippi State to win the football game. Recent history didn't bode well for State because the road team has been so successful. We haven't had the home team win since 2014. We all have chosen to forget that game. But it's been back and forth. And, um, you know, at some point the odds catch up to you. And I think because of the fact Mississippi State has more to play for and the game is at home, I think State will find a way. I also think the fact that State has the full complement of the roster available. Cam Dancer will be back. Willie Gay will be back. Lee Autry will be back. Marcus Murphy will be back. Those are some pretty serious players. You're basically, you, you lost two starters in Lee Autry and Willie Gay. Marcus Murphy was a guy who was expected to be a regular in the rotation at safety, and they were expected a challenge for the starting position at free safety. You saw what those guys did when they were together at Tennessee. You saw what they did when they were in Arkansas. You know, we, we, we played some better football. Defensively, we've only had two games we've had the full defense. And then when you begin to kind of look at Mari Smitherman's injury, too, I mean, that, that's kind of a factor, too. But yes, Lee Autry and Willie Gay have played on the same field just two times this year. Just two times. That's Kentucky and Tennessee. That's it. And so it's one of those things when, look, when I see these guys on the SEC Network and they, they, they break our game down, it's almost like that they've forgotten the fact that um, it's almost like we're signing some free agents for the game. They can say, well, you know, if Mississippi State defense has done this and done that. I don't know how you can properly handicap the Mississippi State defense. I don't know how you look at that and say, okay, here's what you can expect. Because there just had there isn't a lot of film out there to kind of support what you would expect. I think Willie Gay is kind of the glue in the whole deal. You know, it's just like in that Kentucky game. Everybody knew that it was a must win. What happens? Willie Gay jumps a route takes it back to the house. You know as well as I do. Willie Gay will be off the charts excited for this ball game. It's going to be senior day for Lee Autry. It's going to be senior day for the rest of the seniors. But we're going to, we're going to have all the horses pull it. We're going to be able to turn all the dogs loose. I also think that uh, Ole Miss's past defense will be something that we can exploit. And I know everybody says, well, Steve, come on. We had all those drops last weekend, and that's true. But I think what you have to do with Ole Miss is you have to attack them on the edges. I think you got to get some 
some passes to Kylan Hill out in the flats. I don't really think that those cornerbacks want to deal with eight. I just don't think that's, uh, you know, that's, that's what they want. I think you've got to be creative. And I thought the the, the, the wrinkle we did last weekend with, you know, with the little, uh, you know, run pass thing, the little RPO option we did with the, against the Mike linebacker against ACU. I, you know, those are the things that I think you've got to you be creative with Kyle Hill. He is your best offensive player. And I think uh, that he's a guy that has to have a big game for Mississippi State. He's 176 yards away from Anthony Dixon's record. I know that he wants it. A lot of people are saying, well, you know, we may have to get to the bowl game. You know, I, I don't know that that's true, but I do believe if, we, if he breaks it, if he goes 175, 176 on Thanksgiving night, Mississippi State will have won the football game. I think what you have to do defensively is you have to contain John Rice Pumley and make him get rid of the football because he is so explosive. And he's a guy, too, listen, and we always talk about it being a team game. They simplify things so much for him. You know, there's sometimes he can make plays. Just you give him one block, he's so explosive. He can make he can make a play for you. He can carry the team. So I think what you have to do is you have to resist chasing him. I think you've got to contain him, much like you do Johnny Manziel. And Johnny Manziel's a great player. Plumlee doesn't have near the arm strength, but I think you have to do the same thing. Where when you let Plumlee get outside and improvise, that's when things break down. I think you have to keep him in the pocket and make him be a quarterback and not just be another runner. They're going to have some design quarterback runs. They're going to have a bunch of eye candy. And you got one of the best defensive coordinators in football, Bob Shoup, scheming up for you. Now, he doesn't have the players he had a year ago. That's the thing. It's amazing how much better a coach is graded and evaluated when he's got players. Got a lot of younger players that have kind of grown up late. Some of those guys like Fabian Lovett and Jaden Cromerty are playing their best football there of the year right now. And you need them to be. The motivational piece favors Mississippi State. And that's one of the things, too, people say, well, you know, Steve, we have not been very fired up. We have not been ready to play. And that is a fair assessment. That is a fair criticism. Many times this year we've come out flat in the first quarter. But let me show you this. You shouldn't need a coach to get you fired up for this one. Jim Moorhead shouldn't have to say a word. Bob Shoup shouldn't have to say a word. You ought to be able to roll the football out there and go get it. Because you know what's at stake. You know who you're playing. And you know what a win will do for you. You're not quite sure what a loss will do for you. But you know what a win will do for you. You know a loss will keep you at home. You know, a win keeps you playing, gets you into bowl practices. And being around the team this weekend, I, they seem they're saying the right things. And to be fair, they generally do. But I believe the team is, you know, I think they fully understand where it is. I think everybody understands what, what's expected of them. That's to go win the Egg Bowl, to prolong the season. Some people asked earlier in the week about Keaton Thompson. You know, I kind of joke, wouldn't it be funny if you found out that Keaton Thompson's been working on Ole Miss all year? You know, uh, but that's it. I don't, I don't expect Keaton Thompson to play. Some people, I've had people message me that after Joe kind of made some comments that 
some people said, oh, well, maybe Keaton's going to play. I, I don't expect him to play. I think you go with what you got. I think you go with what you got. But I'm eager to see what eight will do. I'm eager to see what Mississippi State has in store for Ole Miss. I think one of the things that has to happen for Mississippi State is something good has to happen early, whether that be you hit a big shot, you get a big lick, you get a big defensive play, you get a turnover, you get a big emotional sack. you got to do something to ignite the crowd because this is a fan base that is waiting to explode. They want something to be excited about. They want something to cheer for. And so if Mississippi State can get the crowd in the game early, because it, we didn't last week, you remember, you know, we had some people booing after the first couple of series because they were displeased with the outcome of uh, the first two drives. Not a big fan of the booing, but I understand the sentiment. I really do. we got to avoid that. we got to be one unit. That's players, coaches, fans, everybody. Got to be one unit. Feeding off each other. So Mississippi State needs to help itself by getting the big play early. I go back and I think about a few, you know several years ago. I guess it was the 2010 Egg Bowl. Seems like this yesterday. And Devontae Skinner ran down there. Deontay Skinner, pardon me, runs down there on the opening kickoff and absolutely blows up the old Miss return guy. I think at that point you could have turned your TV off and known who won the football game because Mississippi State was ready to play. You go out and look at the game last last year. You know it's kind of it's kind of nip and tuck for a while, but once Mississippi State found the running lanes, running off right side over and over and over and over and over again. Once they busted through, once Nick Fitzgerald got a couple of big runs, once the emotions of the moment kind of died away, Mississippi State punched Ole Miss in the mouth. And Ole Miss didn't respond. And then a little bit later in the ball game, we actually did have some, some pushing and shoving, some slapping, that sort of stuff. All that stuff's silly. It doesn't help anybody. Doesn't change anything. If anything, it was a negative thing. I know people get excited about that. They want to see people get out of character. I'm a firm believer in uh, living well is the best revenge. I think you just go win the ball game. And then let them live with that. Let them get out of character. You don't get out there and get on their level. You know, you don't get out there and get get lose your composure. Do something to hurt your team. Those things always seem to happen in rivalry games. And I think sometimes, too, officials are, uh, are maybe a little bit hypersensitive with all that. You know, something happens early in a ball game, they throw a flag to let everybody know they're not going to joke around, they're not playing with you, you know. But that's the main thing. State's got to avoid the dumb mistake. you got to avoid the dumb penalty. You can't get the stupid, unsportsmanlike conduct. You can't get jackpotted into doing something silly. you got to be ready to roll. you got to be ready to get out there and compete. You got to be able to get out there and make sure things are going exactly the way they're supposed to go. You got to execute at a high level because every play means everything in this game. You know, it's almost like a playoff atmosphere. You know, it's like every every first down you get, man, it's like it's new life because you're not having to give the ball back to them. Every time you get a big play on defense, you put them behind the chains. It's like okay, we're go- it's like yard they're already punting. You know, everything is magnified in a rivalry game. 
because in this situation, there really is no tomorrow. There's no promise of another ball game. There's no guarantee we're going to continue to get to play. And so you got to go out there and you got to play with discipline. You got to play with precision. And you got to go out there and play with passion. I have said, and it's so interesting too, there are some people out there that disagree with me. I believe Mississippi State is the better team. I believe that Ole Miss might have the most explosive player in John Rice Plumley. But I think when you go back and you look at some of these numbers, you know, it's the thing, you know, people are always talking about, you know, opponents in common or whatever. But, um, you know, this Ole Miss defense has given up a lot of points. They've given up a lot of yards. And even in the Auburn game, they, they, they lose 20 to 14. They give up 507 yards of offense. They gave up, and let's, let's just repeat this to the, the last game that Ole Miss played, the last one. LSU had 714 yards of offense, 714. To their credit, Ole Miss had 614. If Mississippi State comes out and plays up to their potential, we're going to win the game, I think, pretty handily. If we come out there and start feeling sorry for ourselves and expect them to give us the ball game, we're going to get embarrassed. I don't think it's going to be a close ball game either way. I really don't. I know some have suggested that. I don't. I don't. I, I think whoever comes out first and makes the first big play, and then forces the other team into the first big mistake, I think they'll be that. Oh, here we go again mentality. I also think too because of the both teams' ability to run the football. If somebody is able to get some separation and get a two-score lead, and shorten the game up, you can be in a lot of trouble. But I'm expecting Mississippi State to win the football game. There are a lot of people that suggest, you know what, if we lose a football game, we might make a coaching change. And we might. We might. But what I'm worried about right now is going to win the football game. That's the that's, that's the, the focus. The focus is winning the game. And John Cohen and Dr. Mark Keenum will figure the rest of it out after the ball game. I will also point out to you, Mississippi State has never fired a coach that won the Egg Bowl in the modern era. You had to go all the way back to the 1900s to find a guy that, that, that won the Egg Bowl and then didn't come back next year and coach of his own volition. Never fired a guy that won the Egg Bowl in his final game. Also of note, too, in this decade, we have played Ole Miss three times needing a win to get bowl eligible. We've won the Egg Bowl all three times and then went on to win the bowl game. Our friends at Campus Bookmart went by and saw Stan the Man and uh, Miss Kathy, well, Kathy Brown, I guess, wasn't there yesterday, but uh, the lovely, talented Susie saw her as well. It's a good-looking crew, man. and Everybody up there treats you so great. They treat you like family because you are family. I'm going to encourage you to go by when you're in town. Go by and get the latest in maroon and white fashions and get some other novelty items. And Listen, Mom, I'm going to go ahead and tell you on behalf of the family, your husband, your significant others, your children, everybody wants new Mississippi State gear for Christmas. You can find great selection at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Again, that's BSR, Beautiful Steve Robertson, at campusbookmart.net. Be sure and go check that out. So let's look at the rest of the league here before we get out of here today. 
so on Friday, we'll have the, the Missouri at Arkansas game. That's uh, I, I know there are some Arkansas fans that are just kind of praying for another merciful end to, this, to the season. And, man, how quickly did this thing go off the rails at Arkansas? You know, and uh, on, the, on the flip side of that, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of discussion about uh, Barry Odom might be in some trouble. Uh, you know, they're going to they're gonna be 6-6 six and six at best. You know, it's, uh, it's one of those things you look at and you begin to think, man, you know, how did this happen? How did this happen? You remember a couple of years ago, Drew Locke turned the whole thing around. You guys know what a big fan I am of Drew Locke. Drew turned the thing around. They get hot late, and then uh, they put together a pretty good year, and they get beat by Texas, and then uh, the next thing you know, we're kind of limping along again. And then you go get Kelly Bryant, who get a grad transfer, and uh, you know, now you're struggling again. But if you listen, let's just run the numbers here, okay? Let's look at what's happened since Bobby Petrino was fired after that Dr. Evil quotes, motorcycle accident. John L. Smith in 2012 goes four and eight. Then Brad goes three and nine, seven and six, eight and five, seven and six, four and eight. And then Chad's two and ten. And then they're, you know, of course they're staring a similar season right in the face this year. And so what what is that? Four, five losing seasons since Bobby's been gone? One, two, Three, four, yeah, five losing seasons since 2012. Now, Brett also uh, was in cup three, three ball games, one, two of the three, and it's amazing how quickly the worm turned with Brett. It's incredible. You know, the, the best he ever did was eight and five in 2015. That's the year they came here, and and we did and never punted. But if you look, I mean, Arkansas, it, it's, you know, outside of the Bobby Petrino thing, I mean, it's like, you know, I mean, we all know when Houston Nutt was there, he was either playing for the West or playing for his job every other year. I mean, there just hasn't been any consistency there. A lot of discussion out there that Graham Harrell, offensive coordinator from USC, is probably going to get that job. We'll see. And a lot of people are thinking Mike Norvell. I don't know that's the case. But it'll be interesting to see what Missouri does. Okay, so we get to Saturday's games. Clemson plays at South Carolina. Clemson will win this thing going away. You remember earlier this year, somebody asked Will Muschamp if they were the younger, if they were the little brother, and he got very upset about it. Uh, well, Will Clemson's about to give you the big brother treatment this weekend in front of your home fans, and I know your AD's already given you the vote of confidence. A lot of injuries this year, I understand it. But uh, four and eight. Four and eight. Georgia's at Georgia Tech. Uh, you know, the fighting Jeff Collins group, uh, you know, it's been an up and down year for them. Georgia's still playing well. Georgia, a lot of people think, will play their way into the playoffs. Georgia Tech, three and eight this year. Three and eight, and uh, have lost three of the last four. They get a win over NC State last weekend. But it's been it's been difficult for Jeff. It'll be even more difficult this weekend. Georgia should win this game going away. Louisville and Kentucky. This is an interesting one. Kentucky gets bowl eligible last week. Now, this is they're assured of another ball game. But this Louisville Cardinals team is playing well. Seven and four on the year. They have won three of the last four. Their one loss was a big one at Miami, who's been very up and down. 
I'm going with Louisville. I'm going with Louisville in the ball game. I think they will find a way to limit the Kentucky offense. And, and the Kentucky offense has not really been that explosive as of late. You know, they've had to make some changes personnel-wise. They put up a bunch of, bunch of points last week. But, uh, you know, when they've had to play some some decent defenses, they've struggled a little bit. But, uh, you know, listen, Lynn Bowden's an incredible player. I, I could see it going either way. I just think these are the kind of games that Mark Stoops loses. And maybe I'm completely wrong, but that's that's how I feel about that. I think I think Louisville will get that one. Uh, Alabama plays at Auburn. That's the one everybody's waiting on. I, I'll be honest with you guys. I like Auburn. I like Auburn because of the fact, number one, they have an incredible rush defense. You and I both know Alabama will, will likely want to establish the run and that's going to be difficult to do against Auburn. Auburn will do their best to put the game in Mac Jones' lap. I just don't know that he is ready for that. I think he is going to be a very good player. But with the pressure associated with the game, going on a road to Auburn to win the Iron Bowl to secure a potential spot in the playoff, I think that is a lot of weight for a young man's shoulders that hasn't really had the opportunity to take a lot of reps with the ones. I'm going with Auburn. I won't be surprised either way, especially if Alabama picks up a defensive touchdown of some sort. I dislike Auburn's chances. That'll also clear up some of that playoff talk, right? Vanderbilt's at Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee, probably one of the better teams in the conference in the second half of the season. Nothing fancy about it, but uh, it all started with the one over Mississippi State. It, it is still incredible to me that we lost that ball game. We were the better team on that day, and uh, we gave the game away. That's the thing that I continue to go back to. Like the Kansas State game, we let that game get away. Tennessee game, a couple of just inexplicable interceptions from, from Tommy Stevens really it really was the impetus for the, the Tennessee game. We, we got a freshman guy out there that's really struggling. We got a chance late in the ball game, down 13-10, just got to get off the field, and we can't. The game is over. They turned their season around. They'll win this weekend, too. Good chance that Tennessee headed to the Gator Bowl. Good chance. Six and five. They'll be seven and five because there's going to be a log jam of teams, you know, right here at the bottom. Tennessee hadn't been in a while. And I'm hearing they don't want to go to Nashville. And I don't know if there's going to be enough SEC Bowl tie-ins to get anybody to Memphis. A&M at LSU. We remember, I think everybody that loves college football remembers that game last year at College Station, and uh, how we learned again that the uh, officiating in the Southeastern Conference leaves a lot to be desired. LSU struggled to finish the ball game. Thought they had it won a couple times. They didn't. A&M wins an, an absolutely crazy ball game. They won't win this one. I, I expect LSU to finish the deal. LSU has really played well at times this year. We said since the early beginning of the season that they are uh, they're a team that once they figured it out offensively became not just an SEC West contender, became a national contender. A&M staring seven and five right in the face. I don't think that's what they signed on for when they signed Jimbo Fisher. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't want to speak for the Aggies, but considering the amount of money they're paying uh, to be in the uh, lower mid-level tier bowl game again, for the amount of money they're paying, it just seems like they're not getting a good return on the investment. 
Florida states in Florida. Uh, I think, uh, you know, Dan Mullen, uh, you know, those guys are still looking to play their way into uh, to something nice. Nine and two currently. Uh, they could end the year 10 and two and out of Atlanta, but uh, still with a really nice ball game somewhere. Florida State playing out the string again. That's going to be interesting to see what Florida State does with that job. I've heard some people mention Mike Norville as a potential candidate there as well. One of the things that I think Florida State folks are figuring out, just so you guys know, Florida State is uh, six and five now, so they are bowl eligible. But one of the things I think people are figuring out, number one, is that Florida State is not the job that it used to be and that Florida State financially can't compete with a lot of other schools at this point uh, salary-wise. And so they'll travel to Florida, and uh, even though they have played better as of late, they have not played anybody the caliber of Florida. And man, how good has Kyle Trask been for Florida this year in uh, the wake of Felipe Frank's injury? I think a lot of people, when Felipe went down, they said, well, there goes the season. That hasn't been the case. You got to give Dan Mullen tip of the cap for keeping that thing in the road. So your winners, Mississippi State, Missouri, Clemson, Georgia, Louisville, Auburn, Tennessee, LSU, and Florida. I think most people will pick it that way. I hope some of the people that I'm picking against don't because I need to I need to pick up a couple of games on Robbie Falk in our uh, Jeans Page Challenge. Robbie's bested me. I went for a couple of upsets and didn't get them. Robbie kind of followed the chalk and has, uh, has been the smarter picker thus far. So uh, we're going to get ready to get out of here, and then we're going to have a chance to get back together on Friday. And there's a couple of things that I wanted to say before I got out of here today. There's been a lot of discussion about Joe Moorhead's job security and that sort of stuff. One of the things that I thought about, and it's and it's there are there are some similarities and some differences, but you know, you know, John Cohen went through some of the same stuff with our fan base. And the big difference is, you know, is that you know Joe inherited a team that uh, was expected to be a ten-win team. You know, people forget that we didn't have a very good year in 2016. You know, people say, well, look look what Mullen left him. And that's true. That's true. But it was kind of a roller coaster time for Dan. You know, it's like if we're going to give Dan the credit for a great 2017 season, we got to also give him some criticism for the 2016 season. But John Cohen knows what it's like to have the Mississippi State fan base kind of turn on him. And now one of the things that's a little different, too, is John's one of us. John speaks our language. You know, John brought us an SEC championship as a as a player and as a coach. But he brought that SEC championship as a coach after he had won one at Kentucky. But I think in this respect, I think Joe Moorhead, in the event that, you know, Joe was still our head football coach next year, and, and, and you know, listen, I like Joe. I hope it works out. But my loyalty is to Mississippi State. I want what's best for Mississippi State. I think you all feel the same way. There's some people that get a little bullheaded at times and think, no, I got to be right, got to be right, got to be right. And I'm sure there's some people in my life that would accuse me of that. But, you know, I think in the event that Joe Moorhead's football coach in Mississippi State next year, <clears throat> he will benefit from having a guy like John Cohen as his athletic director. A guy that can say, you know what, here's what we did. You know, here's how you handle it. Here's how you deal with it. You know, and it is a little different. It is a little different because, you know, John shows up here, you know, with our baseball program, the pride of our athletic program, the one thing we've always been able to kind of poke our chest out about, our baseball program had become something that we endured rather than enjoyed. 
and so John really had nowhere to go but up. It took some time, not to mention the game was changing, the bats were changing, the balls were changing. And so it was a it was a dark time. We're back. John righted the ship and put us back on the right path. But I think so I think Joe can kind of benefit from some of that insight from John Cohen. You know, he's hey, I know what it's like to get a little sideways with the fans. The difference is is that maybe we pull some punches from time to time. But I can assure you this Dr. Mark Keenum and athletic director John Cohen, they love Mississippi State just as much as we all do. They are not asleep at the wheel. They have done their due diligence. They are doing everything they can to protect Mississippi State and the Mississippi State athletic programs. So anybody that thinks that we're going to get caught flat-footed by anything, you don't know who John Cohen and Mark Keenum are. It's just not going to happen. Mississippi State's prepared for anything, and you should be too. But let's go win the ball game on Thursday night. How about that? No matter what happens the rest of the way, let's go win the ball game and keep the egg here. That that would heal a lot of the bulldog wounds. Keeping the egg here, getting back into the postseason, knowing we got a chance to, to continue play and have something cool to play for. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends and enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.